0: So, we, um, I kind of sense in the room, you know, you guys don't know me, I don't really know you, you know, we're kind of at that awkward stage of the relationship, which is cool. Um, So, I know there's a little bit of pressure in the room tonight of going, hey, this new guy, he better be good, he better not stink, you know, we've got a high standard around here. So, I get all that, and uh, I'll try not to let you down and and mess this thing up tonight. So, uh, but man, I'm glad you guys uh, are here tonight, I'm excited to be here, I'm excited about the future uh, want to say a quick thanks to Pastor Brian to Paul back there in the back to uh, leadership here at Westridge just for giving me this opportunity. Um, this is a pretty humbling thing, and uh, over the last forty eight hours it 's kind of been a whirlwind as i 've tried to figure out what the heck 's going on around here and you know and, and everything and get settled and all that and so i 'm just uh, e- extremely humbled to be a part of this amazing church and and to be here in this position now so uh, I'm excited about the future and uh, getting to know you guys, building relationships, and just seeing what God has in store and, and building God's kingdom together. So uh, I know you guys have been, over the last couple months, in a series called Best Sermon Ever, and, um, and so we're going to, because this is my first night, we're going to push pause on that. We'll pick that back up next week. Uh, but tonight, I wanted to give, give a chance to, for you guys to know who I am. Um, I know you saw the video the lame video from last week, if you are here last week, I know some of you have heard some things which may or may not be true, um, but I wanted to take just for my first week to be able to introduce myself, talk a little bit about me um, and that kind of thing, just because we, we got to get past this whole awkward stage um, so that you guys are cool with me and I know you a little bit. So that's what we're going to do tonight. Let me, give you, let me give you a couple things about me, all right? And you don't have to take notes, all right? So just relax, it's all good. Um, i 've got a wife named Angie and uh, three kids, Carson, who is five, Jad, who is three, and Avery who is two um, there 's one you guys may have already seen this picture that 's like the super formal picture you know when we know that there's uh, we 've got to impress people that 's the picture that that uh, gets put up um, so that 's us this is This is more like us all right that was my my sister got married a couple weeks ago. They had a photo booth at the reception, and that was, for whatever reason, what we decided to do family-wise. So that will give you a more accurate picture of us, okay? Um, so let me just say a little bit about my family. They are incredibly excited to be here. Uh, they'll be here in a couple weeks. Uh, they're back in Nashville now, and they are, they are really excited. Uh, I know my four-year-old, four Jad, in the video last week said he wasn't excited to be here. Uh, he's lying. He's excited, the boys, this is just an adventure to them. So all they think is we're going to put all of our furniture in this um, in this massive truck, and we're going to drive somewhere. So they're just thinking adventure. This is exciting. Um, Carson, our five year old, is you know she's a little bit more mature, um, but she's excited too. And my wife is is really really excited as well. She's looking forward to getting here, getting to know you you girls, especially building relationships with you. Uh, I'm going to warn you; she will come across as very. Shy and quiet and reserved, but don't let that fool her. All right, because she's crazy. Uh, she's out of control sometimes, but she's she's going to be perfect for this place, and she's excited to be here too. So that's my family. Uh, we're from Nashville. Lived there for the last ten years. How many of you guys have ever been to Nashville? A lot of you. All right, cool. Uh, so Nashville is where we've lived the last ten years, and um, and that's been home for us. Uh, we've loved being there, and um, and just been a part of what God's been doing. Um, so that's been the last 10 years. I actually moved just to give you a little bit of a heads up. I moved to Nashville to be a rock star. All right. That was my ambition. That was my lifelong dream was to be rich and famous and play music and, and all that jazz. So that's, that's how I ended up in Nashville. You guys may have heard, I grew up in Brian's youth group, um, which is, we'll have all kinds of stories about that. Uh, that was fun. And then moved to, moved to Nashville in 2000 to be a rock star. The problem was, when, when my buddy and I got there, we realized that we were terrible. Uh, and I'm not exaggerating at all. Uh, we were really, really bad. And in fact, you're in luck tonight, because I've got music to prove it. Yeah. So I just want you guys to know, I'm bearing all my deepest, darkest secrets tonight. I mean, the skeletons are coming out. It's the first night, this is who I am, and I'm playing you old music of us, Okay. So you've got to understand how big of a step this is for me. All right, I'm putting my heart out there. So be uh, be gentle. So here's uh, here's like a minute or a minute and a half of just some of our incredible music. Go ahead. Close your eyes, candles. It gets better. Hold on. Wait for it. Thought we were done, but we're not. (laughs) All right, so there you go. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. Is that not the biggest load of crap you've ever heard? Um, The sad thing was, even sadder than having to listen to that, was that we thought we were good. We moved to Nashville with that. Um, So, good times. Um, So I moved to Nashville, 2000, with um, that in my back pocket. and, uh, And it was shortly after we realized that we were not any good at all. Um, the reality was God got me there to Nashville. We knew that that's where God wanted us to be, um, but it wasn't because of music, obviously. It was not because we were going to be rock stars. God actually was beginning that pr- that kind of as the process of helping shaping my heart to full-time church ministry and, and really doing what I'm doing now. So uh, I've been involved in, in youth ministry for the last 12, 13, 14 years uh, and on staff full-time uh, for the last five or six. So um, It's been a a long road. So, now I know um, anybody that comes to a new place, there's assumptions that are made, um, there's kind of expectations. So what I want to be able to do is just kind of talk a little bit about, you know, kind of address some maybe assumptions, tell about who I am, but also who I'm not, all right? So most of these are, are ridiculous, but here we go. First thing, I'm not, and I know this will offend people, okay, and I apologize, especially Paul. I am not a Braves fan, alright, and I'm sorry, I know that's not the right way to start out by telling all the things that I'm not a fan of, especially Braves fans in the room, where we at, okay, alright, I am am a huge, huge Mets fan, alright, which is sad, I know, I know, it's a little sad for us right now, but that's cool. We're, we're working our way back up. So Paul and I have sat in the same room, you know, back when the Mets-Braves was actually a rivalry and screaming at the TV together and, and all that kind of stuff. So if you guys want to hit up a Braves-Mets game, you know, in the spring or something, let's do that as long as you root for the Mets. All right? So no, no Braves stuff. All right? Second thing, and this is important because I'm from Nashville, I'm not a country music fan. Okay? Now listen, listen, I know the stereotype, all right? The stereotype is, I'm from Nashville, it's a bunch of honky tonks and rednecks and country music, all right? Which is true in part, but Nashville, anytime you see Nashville on TV, they just show the honky tonks down there on Broadway, and everybody assumes that that's what people in Nashville are like, all right? But they're not, they're sort of cool around there. So Nashville obviously is big for country music, but that is not my thing, all right? I'm not a country music fan, uh, my wife is, but I'm not. I'm a YouTube fan, okay? YouTube. you heard of them? Yeah. Greatest band of all time. So that's more my forte. Now here's another thing, and this is a little bit, I'll, I'll kind of explain what I mean by this. The other thing that I'm not, I'm not James Griffin 2.0. All right, now let me explain what I mean by that. Obviously, James and I have a lot in common, appearance-wise. Um... <laughs> We have similar hairstyles. We have similar body types. We um, we both did marry brunettes. Um, you got to give us that. Um, no, here's here's the deal, and here's what I mean by that. James, I know from coming in here and talking through this process over the last couple of months. James has had it. Hello. I'm on a, I'm on a roll here tonight. James. James has had an unbelievable impact here at this church, here at this student ministry. Um, I know some of you guys are here in this room because of James' investment in you guys. And that is incredible. Um, I'm excited, the fact that he's still at Westridge. Uh, I've gotten to know him a little bit over the last couple of months as as my wife and I have walked through this process with Paul and team. Um, I'm excited that he's here. And I know coming into this thing, he's had a tremendous impact here. Um, and that's awesome. And here's what I mean by when I say I'm not James 2.0. Um, James and I are different, all right? Not just appearance-wise, uh, that goes without saying, but James and I, have we have different gifts. We have different abilities, and you will find that out very quickly, all right, if you haven't already. Um, there are things that James is extremely gifted at that is not my gifts. Um, there are things that maybe I'm gifted at that God's blessed me with that maybe isn't doesn't kind of line up exactly with with James's gifts. And that's okay. Um, We're different. God has made us unique and kind of created us in his own image and different and all that kind of stuff. And that's great. Um, Here's what I want to make sure to communicate to you guys tonight. I remember, I mentioned that I grew up in Brian's youth group. And I remember Brian was a big deal. Um, He's a big deal now and he was a big deal at the church that I grew up in. And he was the only youth pastor I had. Uh, he came in my seventh grade year, he transitioned up to high school when, when I moved from eighth to ninth grade, and then he left to start Westridge the summer after my senior year. So Brian was the only youth pastor that I had. And I remember the summer after Brian left, Brian had just left, you know, a month or two before, and they're talking, they brought this new guy in, and they're talking to him, it was kind of a meet and greet with him and some parents and people in the church, and so they, th- they threw this guy up there, and they're talking to him and asking him questions, and one of the parents said, hey, you're coming in here and Brian's left some pretty huge holes to fill. Or left a, a huge hole to fill. He has he's made a tremendous impact here. He's made an incredible difference in the student ministry and in these students. What is your mindset going in knowing that you're, you're following a guy that's had the impact that he's had? And I remember the guy's answer and I've remembered it to this day. He said, you know what, Brian's had a great impact. I can't focus on being Brian or anybody else. I've got to focus on being who God's called me to be. And as a, you know, about to be a college freshman, that just, that resonated with me and that made a big impact. And for me, standing up here, knowing that James has had the impact that he's had in the student ministry and in a lot of your lives, um, the reality is there's, there's, those are shoes that I can't fill. Um, and what my mindset has got to be, coming in here is just to be who God's called me to be, to not try to be like James or act like him or try to do things the way he did, but just to be who God's called me to be. And, you know, just in kind of getting in here and, and the overwhelming nature of just all of you guys and getting acclimated to the area, um, that's something that's helped me out tremendously of going, look, the reality is I've just got to be who God's called me to be. And, uh, and I'm excited about that and what God has in store. So that's a couple things. As, um, as I was thinking and praying through tonight and, and saying, what is it that I'm going to, as the new guy who hops up here on stage and, you know, says some stupid stuff about himself, but what am I actually going to communicate to you guys? And as I've been thinking and praying through that, there's a passage of scripture that I kept, have kept coming back to and um, something that, that I think has great relevance for us tonight, but also going forward. So if you guys have your Bibles tonight, look at Philippians chapter 1. If you don't have it, we've got it on the screen tonight. We bailed you out. But if you got your Bibles, Philippians chapter 1, starting in verse 9. Here's what Paul says. He says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more. Now, I love this particular passage and then the the verses preceding that because it's got such a great mix to it. Paul starts out and he's trying to communicate his love and his affection for the church of Philippi. He's trying to communicate to them how big of a deal they've been in his life, how important they are, their partners in spreading the gospel, um, how much affection and love he has for them. But then he also in verse 9 kind of transitions and starts challenging the church. Mention some specific things about, hey, hey, here are some things that are very important to us as a church and as believers and as followers of Jesus. And I think for us tonight, there are, not only does it apply to the church of it, but I think there's there's some things that apply to us as as a church as well and as a youth ministry. And my desire is we kind of talk through a couple of these things is that this will be something and characteristics that are marked in your life. But also going forward, They're they're characteristics of our youth ministry. Now, these are not revolutionary ideas, all right? These are things that you've heard before and understand, but it is so much more difficult to apply them to our lives. All right, so there's a couple things that he gives and three things he says. The first one is this, is that you love well. You love well. Look at verse nine. He says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more. Your love for God and your love for people needs to drive, be the driving force behind your life. It needs to dictate every decision that you make, the things that you say, the things that you do, what's important to you, what's not important. As followers of Christ, we've got to be willing to love people and love God more than we love anything else. Now, I don't know you guys very well or at all at this point, But I would imagine that there are some of us in this room, and I've been guilty of this in the past, where we say we love God. All right, God's a big deal in our life. We show up at Reckless every Wednesday night. We're involved in a small group. Maybe we've jumped into a growth group on Sunday morning, and we've gone to Rush for the last couple years. I mean, Jesus is an important part of our life, He's important to us. We love Him. But He's not the most important thing. I mean, we love Jesus, but we love our boyfriend and girlfriend, or we love our Facebook friends, or we love hot dogs, or we love whatever, right? And Jesus becomes kind of one of those things where he's on the list of things that we love. Right? And we feel a little bit good about ourselves. We feel comfortable. Man, I love Jesus. He's on the list. But Jesus isn't satisfied with just being on the list of our important things. Jesus isn't okay with us loving him the same that we love other people or love things or love our boyfriend or girlfriend or Facebook or whatever. What Jesus' desire for us is that our, our love for him would be the driving force behind our life. Everything that we do, what we think about, everything. That our love for God overflows more and more. That we are driven by our love for God and our love for people. Jesus is talking to Matthew and he's talking to the people and he says, hey, the greatest commandment is that you love God and you love people. All right, these other commandments are important. They're a big deal. But man, if you love God and you love people more than anything else, then you'll be in good shape. And for all of us in this room, that's the goal, is for us not to just love Jesus and him be on the list but for Jesus to be the driving force behind our life. We are passionately, madly in love with Jesus where nothing else matters compared to knowing Christ. Now, I would bet that maybe there's some of you guys in the room tonight that you have, maybe you have no clue about God's love for you. Maybe this is your first time here or maybe you've been around for a while, but maybe you've never fully experienced or grabbed, wrapped your mind around God's love for you. Maybe that's some kind of like a foreign idea that there's a God out there that would love you the way that he does. And my prayer and my desire is for you to understand the depths of God's love for you. That you would understand that God loves you unconditionally. And as you grow in that knowledge and that understanding, as all of us grow in the, in the knowledge and understanding of God's incredible love for us, that that would drive us to love God passionately And love people selflessly. So we've got to be willing to love well. The second thing is that we focus on what's important. All right, focus on what's important. Verse 10, Paul says, for I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. Now, this is a difficult thing for us. And especially for, I mean, this is, a, this is a, a difficult thing for me. There are so many things in our culture and in our world that vie for our attention. There are so many things that we could reach out and grab or that our culture is trying to get us to understand this is of value. This is important. This is what you need to pursue with your life. Right? That's the whole American dream is you just spin your wheels and all your energy and all your focus on getting and receiving all and grabbing all of the things that our world has to offer. Because if you have those things, if you reach out and grab them, if you focus on wealth or on popularity, or if you have a bigger house or a nicer car, or all these things that our culture kind of paints as the, what the things that ought to be most important in our life. And we kind of reach out and grab for that. We put all of our energy and our focus and our attention on those things. And ultimately, it distracts us from what's most important. We even sometimes pursue the American dream at the expense of God's plan for our life. Now, for all of us in this room, God's number one desire for your life is not that you are rich, not that you're popular, not that you have success. Not that you're happy or content or that you have a bigger house or you get married or you have two and a half kids. All of those things are great. But that's not God's number one desire for your life. God's number one desire for your life is that you would pursue Him, that you would risk everything for the cause of Christ. That you would, as in Philippians 3, when Paul's talking and he says, you know what? Everything is worthless compared to knowing Christ and being found with him, found in him. I've had all of that the world has to offer. I've had popularity, I've had fame, I've had glory, I've had happiness, I've had all of these things, but nothing compares to knowing Christ. And the difficult thing for us is that we block out all of the things that our culture says is of utmost importance. And we focus on who God is in our life and make that the most important thing. So the difficult thing for us and what what Paul is talking about here is that we would block out all that other stuff and we would focus on what really matters. And here's the third thing. And this is huge. Is that we learn to be dependent on God. We learn to be dependent on God. Verse 11, and this is in the Good News translation. Paul says, Your lives will be filled with the truly good qualities which only Jesus Christ can produce for the glory and praise of God. Now, this particular thing for me, when I understood this truth, was life changing in my walk with Christ. I spent so much time and so much energy and so much focus trying, trying to, to exert more strength and more energy and to try harder. To say, all right, God, here are the things that you've called me to do. This is the purpose that you have for me. This is what you've called me to be. And so I feel like all of the things I've got to do, I've got to try harder. I've got to pull myself up by my bootstraps. I've got to force myself. I've got to try harder. And when I try harder, then I'll have success. But the interesting thing about the Christian life is that all of the things that God has called us to do, we can't do. We can't do. No amount of strength or energy or effort in your own power is going to make you more like Christ. It requires us every single day to get up and go, all right, God, I'm dependent on you. It is God who is working in me, giving me the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So God, if I get up today and I live in my own strength or I try to honor you or fulfill the purposes you have for me, I will screw this thing up. So God, I'm asking that you empower me to live the life you've called me to live. God, I know that I can't do this on my own. So I want to live every day dependent on you. The more you try to do this thing in your own strength and your own power, the more frustrated you will become, the more burnout you will become because you can't do it. What Jesus wants us to do is to get up every day and go, God, I cannot do this on my own. God, live through me. Give me the words to say to people. Give me the wisdom to know the way that I ought to live and the decisions I ought to make. God, give me the strength to do what you've called me to do, to live every single day in dependence on God. Earlier in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, Paul's talking and he says that he who began the good work in you will be faithful to complete it. That it's God who began the work and it's God who's completing the work. And we submit to God and we depend on God, but it is God in us that fulfills the purposes that he's given to us. So those are the three things, according to this passage. And when I pray that your life is marked by and what for, for us going forward as a student ministry is something that people look at us and go, man, we, they love well. And they focus, they don't get caught up in all this other stuff that doesn't really matter. They know what's most important and they're focused on that. And that we are a youth ministry and a people and teenagers who live every single day dependent on the power and the strength of God to do what he's called us to do. If we allow our lives to be marked by those characteristics, we will see a radical difference, not only in our life, but in the lives of those around us. Cool? Yeah? You guys still with me? So, man, I'm excited. I'm excited to be here. I hope you guys are excited, too. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Have some patience with me as I kind of get acclimated. But, uh, man, I'm looking forward to building relationships with you guys and getting to know you. And just seeing what God has in store. Because I I believe that um, there are some exciting things ahead. And so I'm looking forward to being a part of it. All right, let's pray. God, thank you so much for this night. God, I thank you that um, you've given me the opportunity to be here. God, for whatever reason, You've chosen to use a guy who is, um got a screw-up, a mess-up, who falls short every day. And yet, God, you have called me and called all of us to something greater than ourselves. And God, we can, we can spin our wheels and we can focus all of our time and energy on, th- on things and stuff and accumulating things but at the end of the day, those things don't matter at all. God, I pray that we would be a youth ministry that loves you passionately, that loves people selflessly. I pray that we would be a youth ministry, God, that is blown away and every single day is growing in the knowledge and the understanding of your incredible, immense love for us. And that is the driving force behind our life and it causes us to live differently and act differently and people begin to take notice of our lives. God, help us to focus on those things that really matter. God, help us to live every day knowing that we cannot do this on our own. We need your strength. We need your power. God, live through us. So God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you're you're doing in this place and what you're gonna continue to do, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.